Hi, you're listening to Women in Audio, a podcast brought to you by professional audio magazine ProSound News Europe. I'm Tara Poor, ProSound's staff writer, and I'm joined each week by ProSound editor Dan Gumbel to bring you interviews with some amazing women working in the industry. We're really excited to bring you this conversation in our second episode. We spoke to engineer Marta Salonyi on a very snowy day at Studio Mute in Hammersmith, the day before she won the 2018 Breakthrough Engineer of the Year title at the MPG Awards. Marta went to Iceland to work with none other than Björk last year on her highly acclaimed album Utopia, something she talks about more in the interview. She also shares her experience of freelancing in a fickle music industry and in one of the most expensive cities in the world, and talks about how, while the work to raise the profile of women working in audio is so important, it's even more crucial that it's actually more widely reflected in the industry going forward. If you enjoy it, you can check out our print interview with Marta on our website, psneurope.com. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and follow us on Twitter at PSNEurope. Thanks, and we hope you enjoy this interview. Hi, Marta. Thanks so much for joining us today for this podcast. Um, If you just wanted to start by telling us what it is that you do. I am a a producer, mixer, recording engineer, so uh, my job varies depending on the project that I'm on. Sometimes I'll be uh, only mixing, then that means... um, I will be, um, you know, at the, at the end of the project or, um, you know, kind of almost towards the end of the project, I will get uh, stems from the band and therefore uh, from there I will be creating a mix at either of some tracks or of the album. Uh, when I'm producing, I'll be following the band from the early stages um, recording. I'm often producing and engineering at the same time because that's my background. That's where I started. And... Um, and so I'm moving towards these two, um, these two categories you know, full time now. Before I was an engineer, and I worked in a few studios around London, like Strong Room, Rack, uh, State of the Art. When I very, very early, um, in the game when I started, um, Snap Studios. So I got to see, you know, really beautiful studios around here and uh, and outside of the UK. So, yeah, it varies, really, depending on the project. And how did you start out uh, in the industry? What was your first step into (laughs) mixing and stuff? It was, well, uh, the very first um, uh, experience in sound, it was in live sound, actually, back in Italy. And then I was, um, after school, I would be going to to this venue. It was our claim space um, in a a city called Brescia. And then... um, uh, me and a group of friends were running nights, um, the very DIY, uh, I would be doing sound for the bands. I did that until I um, got my diploma and finished high school and after then I moved to London because I wanted to experiment with the studio scenario rather than live. And uh, then um, uh, did a course at a school called Alchemia, which now sadly is not there anymore. Um, got my first job in post-production, funnily enough. Uh, so I was really interested in sound designing. And then uh, through that 
um, I then realised no, I really wanted to go back to music, and I started uh, going and like calling up studios and knocking at studio doors, saying, "Can I please just make coffees and teas?" Um, and uh, finally got uh, through these um, at the studio. I had a, a a session at a studio called State of the Art, where uh, there was a producer called Anton Sapo there and needed a hand, and that's where was where the let's say real start in the in the industry happened because I I got to assist him for a few years through that I I changed a few studios and so I um I got to see the street studios um went uh, on to a uh, strong room where um we built a room there um uh, for Danton and um then I started uh, freelancing because they, uh, I, I started also engineering for other producers um, and the other studio that are stronger. So, say through that, then kind of upwards, and the more you work with people, the more they call you back if you've done a good job or if they uh, like working with you. And uh, the, the path kind of goes from engineering, um, following other producers, and then to slowly. Um, starting um, producing for yourself for other bands and using other engineers and then eventually um, becoming you know, your own your own boss and uh, doing your own projects and uh, the same for mixing that's how everything start you start with mixing um, you know maybe demos for bands or uh, uh, local bands about friends or bands that don't have that much budget you do it in your downtime and um you know that word of mouth that yeah. leads to bigger things i remember obviously we ran an interview with you in the magazine last year yeah. and i remember reading that um you told dan that um freelancing in london was, was quite difficult and you kind of wished that it was more affordable to work in the studio is that something that you kind of experienced and do you think that's put some people it is yes yeah. it's a um it's a big sacrifice because um obviously the rent that you have to pay just to have a, a you know a roof above your head is so high. Um, freelancing is um, is a very um, risky job because you never know how much you make per month. The nature of the music industry also is so um, sometimes it can be very flaky. Things can fall through last minute and that leaves you with uh, maybe a month of work completely you know um, disappeared and uh, you could have probably. You know, we would have had something else there if uh, it's if if it would be easier to to plan. But it's not. It's not easy to plan um, with these things because you know you're working with uh, you're working with people in an industry that is made by people. After all, and uh, obviously they, you need to consider so many variables. They are very um, sometimes intangible. You can't pin them down and uh, and work for them like you're working through. Maybe other other sectors. Um, so and that is hard. It was it was hard to having to uh, plan so much in advance. I had to save a lot of money to be able to afford um, living in London for the first years, knowing that I wasn't going to be paid that much. Uh, obviously, I I my family isn't here. My family is back in Italy, so I couldn't live at home, and I had to have my own place. Um, so the support had to, they, they, they supported me as in the, um, um, you know, the, the financial support that was, uh, that came from my family was, uh, allowed me uh, to, um, 
to pursue this career. And I'm talking, I can talk, uh, um, you know, exact math with you because I, I, don't, I don't mind. I mean, I had 700 euros per month and I had to live on us. That was what my mom and dad gave me for uh, one year. And uh, within that year, I had to find a job and then live off my own resources. And uh, that's why after that course that I told you I did with Akimia, I got my first job in post-production because that was as a, an employee and I had guaranteed a minimum wage at the end of the month. Um, and, but, you know, obviously the, you know, the, the passion that they wanted to be in music was, uh, was bigger than the, um, you know, than, than, uh, considering the risk that, uh, would have got me bankrupt possibly, but, you know, yeah. Is, is there anything more that studios could do perhaps to make life easier for people in that position? Because, um, obviously if you're making tea or you're shadowing, producers that are already in the studio um, and you're there for long hours it's quite hard to find any other income and have another job on the side you need to be completely dedicated to the studio could they I don't know are there any programs that you're aware of that kind of pay apprentices or is there something more that could be done to to make it a more viable uh, career option for for young aspiring engineers and producers yeah, there is. Um, there must be support and monetary support because uh, it is, um, you know, um, we're making music and we're making something which is going to to create income for people and a big income in certain in certain occasions. You know, so it should never be underestimated. And everyone in in a session is doing their job, and no matter who they are, they need to be paid accordingly. So I think there must be the um, it, whether it's an internship or whether it's um, um, you know um, making teas for anyone, they, they, people must be paid. I think personally there should be a minimum wage. Internship are paid, but are paid, are paid in a, in, in a very low rate, you know. And um, um, I do understand that um, you know it, it is an internship, but still I think it should it should be some math should be should happen there to make sure that you know the travel is paid because that can cost a lot for people that commute from um you know somewhere that is not in zone two um uh, i think there should be a food allowance for uh for internships and i think there should be um some it should be uh um maximum amount of hours that you can work and then you need to be paid overtime overtime being paid a certain percentage higher than what an hourly rate will be. Uh, I think um, you know there there could be something like a, a, early, a late cancellation fee that not only covers the studio costs but covers the people involved because it is a reality. You know, you if someone cancels on you the day before, you just don't get paid. That's it, and that is um, very very hard. Um, you know, I, I don't have children, but I do, I can't imagine how it is for someone who is, um, you know, has to provide support for a family. And uh, that's why it's, it makes a very exclusive um, industry. And sometimes you just end up with people which are middle class or have, uh, are supported by uh, either their partners or their, uh, their families. And it's, a, it's unfair, unfair you know, for everyone and uh, for, for this people that support them for the people that do this job because you just feel like you're you're not in a real 
you know, real uh, profession sometimes. You feel like there is this really, um, you know, this anxiety that always hovers about your head and there's no security. Mm. Um, so obviously you started with your first job in post-production and then last year mixed on Bjork's recent album Utopia. Can you tell us a bit more about how you got that role and what that was, what that was like working with? With her. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was incredible um, from the start because it was uh, July when I got a phone call from uh, from Derek uh, from the label in the in the morning, and um, yeah, he uh, just uh, asked me if I want Bjork was uh, wanted me to try two mixes for her, how soon I could do it, and uh, I said yeah, well right now, uh, obviously, <laughs> and. Um, so I, what happened is I got uh, sent these two, these two songs, uh, "The Gate" and "Horizon," um, and uh, I stayed uh, from I think it was a Thursday, and I closed myself in a studio until the week after to just work on this tune. I had a, a little um, uh, little notes about the tracks. I usually like to have a monitor mix to compare. Uh, by mix to you know to have a starting point monitor mix that will be um, a rough mix provided by the artist which um, uh, represents the the stage at which they are happy with the track um, but that obviously you you need to better as a mixer um, I didn't have these on purpose she didn't want to send me a monitor mix to see what I my 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 vision of the song and that was a bit scary for me because uh, I had to, you know, it's a big responsibility and in my head I really wanted to to create something which I'll be extremely proud of to show her, but also something I would try that uh, would be representative of her expectations, her expectation being a big part of this job, you know, um, and managing them. So, yeah, that's how it happened. I did these two mixes and um, she really liked them. And, I did uh, there were minor updates on them, um, and that led to me going to Iceland because uh, we both decided, uh, you know, that it was a really good idea to be in the same room, given the fact that we had limited amount of time. So uh, I I went to, to back to Liverpool. I was doing a session there and packed all my things, came back home in London for a day, got a coat, and took a plane to Iceland for a month there. Uh, mix the record um, and uh, yeah that was really nice I mean, I've never been there it's quite extremely uh, different in uh, visually it was so beautiful and I exactly we got snow right here so it's, <laughs> my god it's snowstorm it was extremely hot there when I was in Iceland so that was really really strange so it's so beautiful I think it, it also influenced the way that I that I mixed uh, I'm really happy that we decided for me to go there rather than, mm. um, I think, mixing in London. Um, it made more sense to be there to understand the whole context of it. What was she like to work with? I mean, she's obviously, you know, uh, one of those artists who, with every album that she releases, does something completely different sonically, and the, the, you never really know what to expect from one album to the next. She's always trying to trying to push those boundaries. Did that make it? I mean, first of all, did that make it difficult to? to kind of know what her expectations would be. Um, and also, how involved was she in in the mixing process with you? Um, um, she is. She was great um, uh, because she always made her expectation very clear. So uh, um, 
for example, you know, she she would be coming in in the morning, and uh, I would be opening up a news a new session, and I got uh, stems from her engineer Berger and. Uh, put them up and then she will tell me, okay, this song is, is about these and these, these aspects and uh, this is the scenario that um, you, should, um, you should paint in your head. And uh, um, she would tell me key elements that she would like to be, um, um, to be um, developed through the mixing. Uh, and they could be anything from uh, vocal uh, uh, color to um, the dynamics of the arrangement having uh, like wanted to be pushed uh, in certain places um, uh, they coincide with some lyrics you know and there is a very thoughtful uh, approach to it she was very involved um, uh, both conceptually and both um, technically she uses protos and uh, um, and works on at home and comps and uh, you know, and and composes all the tracks. Uh, if there was something that um, we couldn't communicate through words, she would show me, uh, and she would jump in and then show me, and then that okay, okay, that's very clear now. Uh, so it was very, you know, it's a very effective way, very great communicator. Um, and the, each track on the album that I've mixed, uh, they are very very different from the others. So they. There is obviously a, there is a common aesthetic to it, a common message. But what I loved about it is the fact that each track you need to approach uh, different from from the previous. Um, a track will be about um, uh, intimacy. A track will be about uh, exuberance, and uh, you know one should be uh, warmer sounding, or perhaps um, uh, more severe, or perhaps more uh, exciting, and and that needs to reflect. Um, in in the mix in a way that uh, um, you know in the technical way such as through EQ compression um, reverb levels and all these technical um, um, vehicles that you use to convey um, what is an image I mean so it's that the interesting bit um, that really really um, um, blew my mind was how to translate uh, something which is an emotion into in into um, you know technically speaking mixing which is very very technical um, so the first time I actually saw you was at uh, speaking on the panel at Ames women in music event last year um, and there was so there was a panel about yeah women working in the studio and you talked about um, how you've got to almost call out studio sex and when you see it Mm. Um, is there something that you've encountered yourself or, you know, is do you find that there's you know, a lot f fewer women working around you? I mean, obviously, Bjork excluded, but um, yeah, um, in the studio, is it kind of a male-dominated place? And what do we need to do about that? Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, it is very clear, both statistically and uh, experience-wise, that it is rare to find women in uh, in studios, um, especially in engineering positions uh, or production. Um, uh, so yes, I did encounter sexism, and uh, I, you know, I, I wouldn't believe if someone would tell me that they didn't, um, because it is it is a reality and it is there. Sometimes it's more exposed, sometimes it isn't, but it's very intrinsically, you know, eradicated in our, unfortunately in these 
not only in our industry but in all the industries in um, uh, in in the workplace, which sometimes is is quite insidious as it's hard to spot. Uh, so important for me is to be able to recognize it and uh, and to um, and to call it out, you know, for as embarrassing that it can feel all the time, it uh, is it it will go a long way. So yes, it is. Um, it has happened to me from uh, yeah from very early on from when I said I was working in live sound and. Uh, band or promoters assuming that I wasn't the sound engineer they would just arrive and uh, um, and and ask where the sound guy is so you just see like from this way that we we all are uh, used to call a sound engineer sound guy it's not the way you sound girl not the way you know I have never heard that <laughs> uh, so many people still use this word sound guy yes it is as very it's a, just a nominal thing but it carries an element of sexism, which is really uh, important to, to uh, you know, delete from our vocabulary from there. And uh, studio-wise, yes, it happened there as well. Just uh, the assumption, assumption, uh, often. Did you feel like you had role models when you were kind of starting out that you looked up to? Uh, I, my first role model was um, uh, was a man, was the person I learned from when I was in live sound. It's called Carla. And he's from my uh, hometown, so he was my whole role model. I want to be like him. Uh, he was the person who pushed me and told me, uh, "You should move to London." Uh, then coming to London, I remember I um, uh, I was reading uh, tape hop and I read some interviews from uh, 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 Leslie Ann Jones, and she works as Skywalker now. And I remember seeing pictures of her in Capitol Studios and. Uh, um, just thinking, wow, you know, that that's who I want to be like her. You know, uh, is uh, remember that's uh, I I started wearing a watch on my wrist just because she she was wearing a watch, <laughs> and, you know, trying to try to emulate. And then I discovered uh, uh, Delia Derbyshire and uh, Daphne Oram, uh, and I then I these two, you know, it just makes you feel less um, lonely. Uh, uh, after all these years wondering whether I was a bit of a weirdo, uh, thinking, oh, I, li I like playing with sounds and machines and and everyone else kind of looks at me a bit like, oh, she's a geek, leave her alone. I'd imagine that must be uh, particularly difficult at the early stages of your career as well, before you're established and before your name is, is kind of out there in the world, when you are shadowing producers or making tea or whatever, or doing your first sessions, that when you you possibly don't have that confidence at that point and there are people just assuming that you shouldn't be there or that you're not the the sound guy you know mm -hmm. that must be I guess that must be particularly difficult when you're yeah when, when you're trying to trying to make those first steps was that something that you encountered at that point yeah it is because um you do question yourself you do question whether you're doing something which is just um a chimera or something which it doesn't you know it's not gonna pan out because the odds are just completely against you uh, um, realistically speaking so yeah it was it was so rare for a, for a woman to be a sound engineer back in in Brescia that I was defined uh, not by my name and surname but by Marta sound engineer you know people would say oh Marta you're the sound engineer you know you could 
if you would go around and say my name, that was that was you know the category is dish, you know you get a stamp. Um, then uh, yeah, so that kind of in a way is it was fascinating for me because it made me feel unique, and that was a, a, um, uh, an element of, that uh, drove me to do better and better, and not wanting to fail, and also because suddenly you feel more responsible in your own position and thinking, okay, I want to be. There is no role model there um, that is uh, that is female that that is uh, doing what I want to do. I want to be that for other people. Uh, if they want, if there is someone out there that is, um, you know, that is thinking the same thing as me, and whether whether this is the right thing to do, despite everyone being a bit, you know, um, questioning me, then I want to be the person that. Is there for you to understand? Yes, it is possible. Look, I'm doing it. If I'm doing it, you can do it. And I had um, it, this sentiment was confirmed by the fact that I got a lot of messages uh, from uh, people, especially in Italy. They would in, email me and saying, "Oh, I read your interview on this magazine called uh, Rumora, an Italian magazine that interviewed me um, last year." And uh, I am myself a sound engineer, but I feel very isolated, and uh, um, I don't know where to where to start or how to start. Uh, and so I just took the time to to try and uh, and give everyone uh, that would write to me um, just a few words, saying that it, yeah, I understand I was there as well, but you just need to carry on doing what you're doing because it's it's the right thing for you if you feel strongly about it. And yeah, that's the reason why you could feel isolated and uh, to to suddenly feel like I'm yeah I'm you know against all the odds you know I'm from a really small town in the north of Italy seven thousand people um may like came to London couldn't speak the language I started from very bottom cleaning studios and making decent coffees and what are the odds I mean if I look back I think. Wow, and so if I can get to this point, then I want other people to be absolutely sure that they can do too, and they should never feel like they can't. Do you think that things are are starting to change a little bit now? It seems like, um, I mean, obviously, I, from our point of view, we're looking from outside the studio rather than within. But there have been events like Ames Women in Music. Um, uh, event at City Hall earlier in the year um, and it seems as though there are various organisations holding these kind of conferences and you know launching initiatives to try and shine more of a spotlight on women working in the music industry and the audio industry is that actually filtering through into the studios are you starting to see attitudes change or more women taking up roles in the in the studio or or is there you know still a, a long way to go before that outside activity makes its way into the studio? I think it is working. I mean, I'm trying to judge it from an external point of view because I'm, I'm, I am involved in all this, uh, you know, and obviously so I'm exposed to a greater change uh, in my eyes uh, because I see, I saw in the last years, um, like, a lot more women uh, involved in uh, in studios, uh, uh, part of me though wants to um, wants to make sure that this is not just my impression because suddenly I am surrounded by more women because uh, we do all these events you know and uh, they they are very very important 
and they must continue and they must continue exponentially you know to go like grow stronger and uh, and uh, um, to be made more often to happen more often um, because what they do um, when they they create uh, they, they basically delete any excuse from from the hands of uh, senior um, uh, gatekeepers, I call them. You know, in the industry, you know, I, I would call them like uh, uh, middle class white men that um, they say, "Well, we want to use female uh, engineers, producers, but we don't know any." And I think that's complete bullshit. You know, if if you just go to any of the conference, or if you if you just look out there and uh, you you know you stop. Um, going around in a circle and uh, working with the same old people, doing the same old things. You will understand that the change is there and is, is absolutely happening. But it must happen in a way that is not only, you know, um, um, it's not only uh, uh, contained in within uh, realities which are, um, um, which are clearly uh, promoting, you know, you know, they must happen across the whole music industry. Uh, what I would like to see is um, all label, major, independent, all of them actually, um, you know, uh, making an effort to, uh, and I know that they are, absolutely they are, but, uh, you know, it's the fact that this is still considered a problem, because in the fact that this is still a minority means that, um, we need to work further and to make a balance and uh, until we get there we you know it, we should never we wouldn't we shouldn't stop cool um and what kind of things have you have you got lined up then for the rest of the year uh the rest of the year there are a few projects which i'm now doing uh um early stages uh mixing and uh there are some artists that i wanted to work with for uh, for a long time, and uh, I feel very honored that um, that we we now are in contact. And uh, uh, you know, uh, can you name any of them? <laughs> uh, can I name any of them? <laughs> I'm just thinking that I can. Um, I wouldn't because uh, you never know until the record is finished um, what happens. So I always uh, I always want to make sure that the, that is in the pocket, and then. Can uh, can always uh, can always talk about everything afterwards. Also because it's, I I wouldn't know what to say. But I'm just I just done the first mix for a record that I'm excited about and yeah. uh, gone well. But yeah, that's the first mix. So we see at the end of it. <laughs> Great. Look forward to hearing about it. Um, cool. Thanks so much for speaking to us. Thank you. Yeah, thank yeah. you.